And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Just about two months ago, Jennifer and I, as many of you know, were able to um, take a little vacation, just uh, she and uh, her, her and I, she and I, anyway, uh, both of us, <laughs> should, he, should have studied literature, um, to Hawaii. We got to spend um, about nine days in, uh, on the island of Oahu, and then we spent one of those nine days on the big island of Hawaii. We got to do all sorts of things. It was a wonderful time together. Um, when we were driving on the north shore of Oahu, uh, we decided that, um, that we would kind of pencil in, as it were, places that we really wanted to go to the next day. And we found this beach called Waimea Beach, a very famous beach for uh, people that surf. And not just people that surf, but the surfers on like the 40-foot waves. They come in to Waimea. Of course, these waves are like three feet, four feet. They weren't 40. But we set up shop there. And I noticed on the beach that there was a humongous... Uh, rock or boulder, I don't know, it was, it was probably, uh, well, it was about 35 feet at its highest point, and it started on the beach and then went out into the water, maybe 80 feet long, 35 feet or so at the highest point, and I noticed that there were people jumping off of this cliff into the water, and I'm someone who is terribly afraid of heights, terribly afraid of heights. Um, Matter of fact, like I don't even like the elevators that have the glass when you're going up. I tend to want to scoot back to hold on to something. But I figure, you know what? I'm, I'm in Hawaii. There are kids that are like this tall jumping from this thing. There are people much older than me jumping off this thing. I've got to jump off this cliff. I've got to do it. Um, many fathers can relate to this, and, and mothers too, but, but fathers in particular, we want to do things of courage for our children because we want our kids to see us doing things that might cause fear in us, but we're overcoming our fear. We're being courageous, and I wanted my wife to video this event for the children. <laughs> and as I was sucking in the entire time walking to the rock, uh, trying to look fit, um, I was over near the rock, and I had my sh- snorkeling gear on, and I was just, many of us were kind of out in the ocean near the rock watching people jump, and it was great. It was amazing. And I still wasn't sure. I wanted to do it, but I was a bit fearful. And this young boy, he was probably 12 years old or so, was swimming near me, and he asked me my name, and I told him, and um, he told me his name. And he said, hey, are you going to jump from this cliff? And, and I said, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about it, you know. And he said, you should do it. I was like, okay. Now, like, now the pride's taking over. This young kid's telling me I should do it. Now I've definitely got to do this. Um, so... All that to say, um, he said, look, can I help you? And at that point, I, I realized that, that like me jumping from the cliff was something I needed to do for my kids and my, my posterity and for my own you know, ego and all this, but also he really wanted to help me. He wanted to kind of show me the way. So I was um, in, a bit, in a way like humiliating myself so this boy could show me the way. And he said, okay, well, look, here's what you're going to do. Swim out of the water, go on the beach get onto the small part of the cliff and climb your way up, follow the people. And he goes, look, here's what I'm, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, two things to remember. One is when you get up there, you're going to be really afraid. 
you're going to be really afraid. And I was like, you know, okay, kid, like, yeah, I get it. Like, I'm going to be afraid. I got it. You know, thank you. And then he said, when you're up at the, at, at the zenith up there, I want you to look across. And he pointed, and about a mile and a half away, there's a white church on this cliff. And he says, I want you to look at this white church in the cross over there. And he said, focus on that when you jump. And I remember thinking to myself, like, whoo, here's a sermon illustration straight from God. Um, and, and finally I get to use it. And so I climb up there. I'm following all these people. And I get up to the top. And I'm, and I'm uh, not shaking, but close to shaking. Though I knew the water was deep enough, the water there is crystal clear and you can see the bottom. It doesn't look deep enough. The wind is, is you know, the wind's there kind of all the time. It's blowing. It's a fairly slick surface. Kind of fear sets in. And he is, you know, uh, kind of in the water paddling and, and I'm up there and he says, okay, I'm going to count you down. I'm going to count you down and you're going to jump. And he said, look, you know, look at the church. And so he, he begins to count down, and when he gets to like four, I don't know why, it's like, you know, three, like you're committed. Four is that moment of what is going on, you know. And at four, I'm, I start to look down, and I'm like, I can't do this. What am I, what am I doing? Like, what if I get hurt? Well, you know, all this stuff going through my mind, fearful. And right when he got to three, he said, look at the church. And I looked up, and I fixed my eyes on that church with a huge white spire with a cross. Sun was shining on it, and I looked at it, and he said, one jump, and I jumped. I jumped in, you know, the adrenaline hits you. It was, it was an amazing, you know, thing. I hit, and I go all the way, and my feet just barely touched the bottom enough to kind of push back up, and it was incredible. When I was at the top, I was scared to death, I promise you. Jennifer was videoing the whole thing, and I was up there for like two minutes before he counted down, just thinking, what am I going to do? Should I do this or not? People are telling me to hurry. But he said, I want you to look at the church, because here's the thing. In the midst of the overwhelming fear, the anxiety, and me wanting to jump from that, that cliff into the water, I needed a fixed point in time and space to look at. Something not only to distract me, but something to give me a reference so that the, the waves, the wind, the fact that I could see to the bottom, the slippery surface, all that faded away for a moment in time. And I imagine that is what it was like for St. Peter in this account. Because you see, halfway through the Gospel of Matthew, we find our text. Halfway through. And halfway through the pericope of our text, Literally 90 words in the Greek before, 90 words in the Greek after, right smack dab in the middle are the words in English, three words. In Greek too, the words that are the fixed point of all reality. Jesus said, it is I. Ego eimi in Greek. In Hebrew, the translation, I am, the fixed point in reality, God himself coming to the disciples on the boat, in the water. It is I. Beloved, one of the points I want us to glean from this text this morning is that in the turbulent waters of this existence, this life, I want you to fix your eyes upon our Lord 
who was and is God with us. In fixing our eyes on him, the storms of this life will settle. We will be able to walk out to him, even in the midst of our doubts and sinking, walk out to him, for he can lift us high. You see, just before our passage, the Lord had shared a Eucharistic meal with 5,000 people. Well, I should say 5,000 men. Who knows how many people? And we've moved from that story to this one. Deacon Zach preached an excellent sermon last Sunday on the transfiguration um, in which we behold, or we're called to behold the glory of the Lord, and then to go out into the world. Zach reminded us that Peter, James, and John on the mountain beheld the glory of God face to face, resonating from Jesus himself. And it was from that glory that they were able then to descend the mountain and to do the work that God had called them to do. Well, our story on the waters here, on the Sea of Galilee, is almost an inversion of that. It's not um, beholding a mountaintop experience and the beho- uh, beholding the glory of the Lord face to face and then being um, encouraged and, and ushered into that, that amazing existence of God and, and the communion of saints and then going into, uh, down the mountain into the world. No, this is God coming to the disciples in a moment of fear and anxiety and absolute terror. And he comes to them and he saves them and he shows them the way. Beloved, if you have a Bible, turn with me to page 820, Matthew chapter 14. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. He was sending them to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, the western side. They end up going to um, the, the village of Gennesaret. That's where they end up going. Our Lord stayed back on the eastern side to dismiss the crowds from the feeding of the 5,000 plus. He had broken bread with them. I'm sure he had given them a benediction, a blessing. He dismissed them and told the disciples to get in the boat and to go. And so... They did. Following in obedience, the Lord's command. Verse 23, And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. I want us to see that um, throughout this passage, that boat that the disciples are in, that boat is like the church. That boat is where we're called to be, the church, in obedience to God. To Jesus himself, who is the head of the church, who told the disciples, go to the other side. And they're in the boat, and Jesus is alone praying. I've wondered what he was praying for. We know he was praying to the Father, but what was he saying? We don't have that recorded. I often think that he's praying for his disciples, maybe even for Peter, to have the faith to know that he's going to come to them, that he isn't leaving them alone in the winds, in the waves, in the storm, praying for them, I think. And I've often wondered what the disciples are thinking in the boat, because the literal translation here in in these verses is that he sent them out, and it was the fourth watch of the night when Jesus walked to them. That's 3 a.m. That's the middle of the morning, kind of the darkest time at night. I wonder what they're thinking. He's abandoned us. He's left us. 
this, this man whom we believed in, this rabbi, this possible Messiah of, of Israel, Savior of the world, has left us here in this tiny boat on the Sea of Galilee to perish alone. And where is he? Where is our master? And I, I think for so many of us as Christians, we find ourselves in that same boat. Where are you, Lord? Won't you show up? Won't you come to us? Have you left us alone with the raging winds and the turbulent seas? Verse 24, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. That boat, the church, the holy disciples there, us, fellow believers in the church, out here in the open ocean of reality, being beaten around by waves, by wind. A wind that is, the text says, that is against, that was against them, that is against us. And the fourth watch of the night, verse 25 says, Jesus came to them walking on the sea. As Zach preached last week, two people showed up on the Mount of Transfiguration, Moses and Elijah, to distinguish that this, this man, Jesus, was God himself. He was the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. He wasn't equal to them, he was above them. But you know, in all the Old Testament, particularly the Psalms, walking on water, governing the sea, the oceans, the land was something that only God himself could do. Jesus walking to them was another instance of his divinity being on display for the disciples. But it's so odd. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. And they said it's a ghost and they cried out in fear. That word fear there is mentioned twice. The disciples are fearful for their life and also at this, this thing, this disembodied spirit or this wraith, which a lot of people at this time thought that there were spirits that were hovering over the water, descending up from water, which many times turbulent water symbolized death or Hades even. They were terrified at this thing approaching them. It's a ghost, they shouted. They were fearful. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Take heart, literally, have courage. Do not be afraid. When the disciples heard him say, it is I, they heard him saying, I am. Exodus 3, the burning bush. Yahweh telling Moses, when you go down to the people, you tell them that I am sent you. Jesus walks to them saying, fear not, take courage, it is I, be not afraid. God was with them even in the midst of their storms and the storm of this life. And here is St. Peter. In verse 28, we have a shift with St. Peter. The first half of this section was about Jesus himself coming to them. The second half is about St. Peter that I think is a type of us all. 
St. Peter, Peter answered Jesus. He said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. St. Augustine says this about God, and I think this is so important for us to hear, that God, when he commands something, he gives us the ability, the strength to obey the command. That is, he would never command something that we can't do with his help. Peter says to him, command me and I will come to you. So Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water and he came to Jesus. For our text says, when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. St. John Chrysostom says this of this text. Peter was walking on the water, a miracle, living a miracle, walking on the water towards our Lord who had commanded him to come. He's walking on the water, living in this miracle in real time, but yet something as simple as wind, something as simple as wind makes him forget that he is walking on water following our Lord. I'm reminded that so often in our lives, we don't see everything from God as being, in, in a sense, um, a grace or, or an ability to deepen our faith, and that the slightest things distract us and cause us to despair, when in fact, He has called us. We are walking to Him, a miracle in and of itself. And Peter cries out like so many of us have, in fear, as he began to sink, Hosanna, Lord, save me. Peter would have cried out, Hosanna, which means, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately, the text says, reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Beloved, there are many of us that are in the midst of turbulent situations, whether they be sin, difficult situations, death, diagnoses, in which um, the devil would have us be distracted. The devil would have us take our eyes off of that focal point, Jesus himself, the great I am, that church off in the distance, the cross off in the distance, to look around and to see all the things that are surrounding us and to be moved to great fear and anxiety in their life. Beloved, as the holy apostles would find out later, Jesus Christ rose from the dead, breaking sin and death and the powers of the evil one. What are we to fear in this life? Nothing. Nothing. So we come to him. But St. Peter, as a type of all of us, he, he is fearful, and he begins to sink. But what does our Lord do to those who try to obey his command? He stretched out his arm, and that is the grace and the love of God, and he picks us up. And what does he do? He brings Peter back into the boat, back into the boat. There are some of you um, that, uh, because of your deep faith in our Lord, you are going to have an opportunity in this life, and maybe you've had them already, to reach out your hand as our Lord did, 
When we are called Christians, that is little Christ in this world, to reach out your hand and to take a brother or a sister who is fearing this life, who is anxious, who is um, one of little faith, and to grab them and to lift them up and to support them and to bring them back into the boat, into the church that is going across the Sea of Galilee to the other side. Most of you know, because we sent out an email uh, recently, that, um, that our, our little baby in the womb was um, diagnosed with, uh, with a very uh, we seemingly uh, severe skeletal disorder. And we still don't know exactly what's going to become of this birth. Uh, this, this baby in the womb um, uh, could, could die because of this, um, is going to be uh, hindered for the rest of his or her life, we got that diagnosis just this last week. And I could feel in my own life every single thing that is out in the future begin to take hold of my mind and to move me into very um, despairing places. For me, taking my eyes off of our Lord, the fixed point of all reality who says that I'm going to give you the grace that you need in this life and the grace that this child needs in this life. And I'm going to use that boat, the church, to do it. But I'm going to be there to lift you up. For Jennifer and I, we've, of course, felt that even the last week or so from you all, from our brothers and sisters. But, beloved, let me remind you that our Lord loves you that in the midst of your doubt, in the midst of your crying out and praying, Lord, save me, even though I don't know if you're going to save me or not, he is reaching out his hand to you to pick you up, to bring you back into the boat and to bring you across to the other side. I'm going to close with two points, the first being this. If you notice, there was a theme of prayer interwoven in this passage. Our Lord was by himself praying before he entered the waters to go to the disciples. Peter cried out the simplest prayer I think we can pray, Hosanna, Lord, save me. Would that each of us in our times of anxiety, in our times of sin, in our times of bad news, diagnoses that hurt, would we be quick to pray, to pray, Lord, save me, and to know that he is reaching out his hand to us to grab us and to pull us up. And that finally, beloved, for each of you, in whatever season of life you find yourself, may you and me and all the saints here on earth utter that prayer prayed by Jonah, at least the first part of it. Let me close with the words of Jonah. May these be our words prayed to the Lord. I called out to the Lord. I called out in my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you, Lord, have heard my voice. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.